Hills Church, we are so glad that you guys are joining us online here today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Chris, and we're so glad that you are tuning in today. First off, I wanna hope that you guys had an incredible Christmas. You guys opened some amazing presents. You were with friends and family. You had an amazing time. Well, right now, we're gonna dive into our sermon today. So if you have a smartphone with you, maybe a Bible with you, I want you to turn it to Matthew chapter two, starting in verse nine. While you're turning there, I want to catch you up to speed of where we are in this story. So we see that a light is shining, and we see that these wise men see it in the sky. They recognize that Jesus, the Son of God, has been born, and they're excited. Why? Because their Savior has come. As they're getting ready to leave, we see that there's this king named Herod who's terrified because he's afraid that this little baby is gonna take over his kingdom one day. So he's talking to these wise men and saying, hey, where is Jesus? Can you tell me? The wise men, knowing what was going on, said that they would tell him later, wink, but not really tell him what's going on. So these wise men leave that, and this is what we read in verse nine. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshiped him. Notice what gifts they bring Jesus. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. If you're taking notes or you're just curious, the title of my message today is The Gift That Keeps On Giving. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've noticed that there are two types of people in the world when it comes to giving. The people who love giving gifts and the people who love receiving gifts, right? And I don't know about you, but growing up, I was the kid who loved receiving gifts. Man, I don't care about you. Give me all the gifts that I want. But as I've gotten older, I've realized I love giving gifts more. A perfect example of that is a few years ago, my sister-in-law, Kaylee, I had to get her a gift for Christmas. And so she was new in the family, I had to buy her a gift. I'm like, man, what do I get her? And as I was thinking about it, I remember a conversation that we had. As we're there, Kaylee goes on to tell me how much she loves mermaids, in fact, believes that they exist. Her reasoning is that we've only discovered 2% of the ocean, that means 98% of it hasn't even been looked into. There's a possibility mermaids exist. Can't argue with her logic, but we'll see. So as I'm going, I'm thinking about this. I go on Amazon and I find this blanket with a mermaid tail at the end of it. And I'm like, this is it. This is perfect. I remember wrapping it up, putting it under the tree. And as Kaylee opened, I could see her face light up that I nailed the perfect gift. But I haven't always been that way. In fact, I can sometimes be a pretty awful gift giver. I remember as a kid growing up, it's kind of a tradition in the Zichi household that every year for Christmas, for Christmas Eve, you would open one gift that a family member has bought for you. So you'd buy a gift for every family member, right? So I buy one for my brother, for my dad, my mom, my sister, right? So I remember going around, I was like maybe 11 or 12 at the time, and I'm buying gifts with like the zero money that I have. And I find the right things, I wrap them up, I put them up under the tree, right? And then Christmas is the next night. We're so excited. I get in bed. I can barely sleep. I'm pumped. Christmas morning comes. I spring out of bed. I'm screaming. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. All the kids run downstairs. We start organizing the presents and then the war begins. Paper is flying everywhere, screaming and yelling at the gifts that we got. And so finally the madness had ended. 
Everybody's looking at their gifts, having the time of their life. But as I looked at my dad, I noticed something kind of off. He's just looking around, checking under things. And finally, my dad looks up at me and he just goes, Chris, where's my gift from you? And it was at that moment, my heart sank. Until this day, I really don't know if I just forgot to get my dad a gift or if I purposely didn't get him one thinking he wouldn't care. Let me tell you, my dad cared, okay? He was there being like, Chris, wh where is the present? And I was so embarrassed. I was so ashamed because I didn't get my dad a gift. So we drive up to North Carolina to spend the holidays with my dad's side of the family. And two days later, I made up for it. I walk up to my dad and I give him this eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and written on it in beautiful red felt pen is my gift. It says, Merry Christmas. And I opened it up and I had two back massages from yours truly. Truly the gift that keeps on giving. The problem with it is I have the penmanship of a four-year-old and it was written in red felt pen. So it looked like a ransom note from a murderer. Hey dad, here's two, it was just weird. It was weird to say the least, okay? And I could have avoided all of this if I could have just given my father a gift. And you know, when I think about it, it makes me wonder this question. As Christians, we're so good at receiving gifts from God, but what is a gift that you've given God lately? Right? Like we love to receive presents from God. Man, your love, thank you, I'll take that. Your forgiveness, what a great gift. Your mercy, everything you've given me, God, I'll receive that at all times. But man, what do we really give God? I mean, what do you give a person who really has everything, right? Like it's like, hey God, I got you a Grubhub gift card. I don't know if they deliver, but love you. Like what do you give somebody who really has everything? Like what gift can you give? What we see in Romans chapter 12, verse one, it kind of gives us an idea of what gift we can give God. And it says this in Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I love how the message version puts it. Listen to this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. You know what gift you can give God? You, your ordinary, everyday life. That is a gift that's supposed to be given to God. And a lot of us are starting to look at our lives and going, are we sure God wants that gift? I think he might return it and I don't have the receipt. But the truth is, is that God is wanting our lives to be a gift towards him. So the real question is, is how do we develop our lives so it's a gift that he really wants that is pleasing to him? Well, when we look at Matthew, the verse that we're reading at the beginning of this, if we look at the three gifts that were given by the wise men, it kind of gives us a template as Christians following Jesus as how we can develop our lives to be a gift towards God. And here's the first one. If we want our, gift, our lives to be a gift towards God, we need to be people who value what is valuable. We need to value what's valuable. We see the first gift that was given to Jesus was gold. Now, I don't really have to explain gold. Everybody knows what that is, but it's something that is valuable. Back in those days, if you had gold, you were usually royalty above the rest. And we see this gift was given to Jesus as a sign of his royalty, that he was the son of God. It was valuable. It meant something. And for us in our lives, that makes me wonder the question, for you, 
What is your gold? What is the treasure, the thing that you value more than anything? Because as we think of that question, we can really break down what you value into two categories, where you put your time and where you put your resources. Tell me what you value. See, for many of us, we value the sports teams that we love. Like, I'm a huge Lakers fan. I have a jersey and everything. I'll watch all the games. For some of you, you're Colts fans. You know, maybe you're super into college sports. We'll spend all the time going to games and watching the games. And we say, man, that's my team. I value my teams. For many of us, it's the relationships that we're in. And because of this person, I feel special and accomplished and loved. And I value that relationship. I'll put my time there. For many of us, it's the stuff that we amass because of this house that I have. And because of the things that I own, that's where I find my value. And so often over time, what we'll do is we'll put our value in things that sometimes don't bring that much value back to us. And it's a consequence of that is our lives aren't valuing what's valuable and we're not being the gift to God that we should be. So I ask the question, well, Chris, then what should I value? We see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. There was a study by Barna in 2017 that showed that six out of 10 people said that they don't engage with scripture or the Bible because they are too busy. Almost six out of 10 people, that's crazy. People recognizing that the Bible has the ability to change their life, to instruct them and correct them and to prepare them for every good work that God has for them. They say, I don't have time for that because my life is too busy. See, we value things that really don't, bring value back to us. Man, I would read the Bible. I would go to church. I would serve. I would do all these things, but life is just too stressful right now. With the kids, with all their sports and everything that's going on, I just can't juggle another thing. And we begin to value things that don't bring value back to us as people. And you may not like me saying this, but parents, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to share Jesus and teach them what it looks like to have a relationship with God. I think as parents, sometimes we value things that don't bring value to our kids. And we'll do all of these travel teams, we'll do all this after school stuff, but our kids are lacking in a place where they don't know Jesus. What you value, your kids will value as well. So how do I value what's valuable? Man, spend time in God's word before anything else. Pray, get plugged in, serve, connect with other Christians and grow your faith. Why? Because it prepares you to do every good work for God. If we're really wanting our lives to be a gift to God, we've got to learn to value what's valuable. The second thing that we want to do, if we want our lives to be a gift to God, is we've got to be people who pursue our priesthood pursue our priesthood. We see that the second gift that was brought in was frankincense. And I'm not talking about the monster in horror movies with bolts coming out of his neck. That is Frankenstein. I'm talking about frankincense. This was used back in the, the temple in those days. You would see the priest that they would light it as incense as part of the rituals that they would do for God. Scholars have looked at this as a gift to Jesus and they recognize it was about his priesthood of who he was when he was here on earth. When people would interact with Jesus, they would call him rabbi. They would call him teacher. They would recognize that he was a spiritual authority within their lives. He was in a priesthood of sorts for them. 
And here's the thing, because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, when we have a relationship with God, we are brought into the same royal priesthood that Jesus was as well. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show the others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people, but now you are God's people. You once received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. What Peter is writing about in these, to these Christians is he's reminding them is that, hey, the presence of God is not in four walls in a building. He's saying it's in his people. Because of what Jesus has done, the Holy Spirit is living inside of us, and now it's our job to go out into the world and share the goodness of God with others. To help people who are far from Jesus get connected back to him. That is the royal priesthood that you and I live in. We're supposed to pursue our priesthood to share Jesus with everyone around us. I love how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 and 16. He says, you're the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You're a light and you're supposed to shine for all the world to see. But I think very often what many of us do, instead of pursuing our priesthood, we're like that light that gets put under a basket so that no one can see it. Why? Because in church, it's a safe place to pursue your priesthood. Yes, I love that song, Waymaker. Oh, it's so good. Amen, Pastor Daryl. That's awesome. But then we get out of church and we go into our workplaces and we go into the spaces where we connect with people who don't follow Jesus. Instead of pursuing our priesthood and sharing the gospel, we usually tend to keep it to ourselves. Instead of sharing our light, we hide our light. You know, I remember that song as a kid, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. But in this day and age, it's kind of changed a little bit, right? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, unless it's uncomfortable. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, unless I'm at work. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, unless it's inconvenient, it takes my time, or I just don't want to. And we find this space where we use all of these excuses instead of sharing the gospel, instead of pursuing our priesthood, instead of being the light of the world, we find excuses, I'm just too busy. You know, I can't share it with my family. Man, I just want one holiday where we're not at each other's throats and I just don't want to rock the boat. Man, I can't share Jesus with people that I work with. Man, they, they don't believe the same way. They don't think the same way. And I just don't want it to be awkward. Man, I can't share these posts about church on my social media. Man, have you seen how divided our world is? I'll be ripped to shreds. Instead of being the light of the world, we keep it to ourselves. But see, what Jesus is trying to say is that light works best in the darkness. Jesus is saying that, man, you've got to pursue your priesthood. You've got to share the gospel with others because people are lost and broken and they need to find the identity that is only found in Jesus. And see, God's not saying that you've got to do something crazy. He's just asking for you to be available. You know, there's a credible family in our church and their names are the Burtons. You've got Chris and Leslie and they've got two little girls and their oldest is Nora. 
A few months ago, we had an event called Candy Palooza where kids could dress up in crazy costumes and get tons of candy. And so we encouraged everyone, pass out cards, invite friends. And Nora was so excited that she went up to her mom and said, hey mom, can I invite our neighbors to come to Candy Palooza with us? Now Leslie's standing there and she's like, I, I know that family. They already go to a church. They're already plugged in. Like they, they don't need to be bothered. But as a parent, how do you say no to your kid? So like, absolutely, Nora, you can invite them. Later, Leslie gets a text from that family. It says, hey, thank you so much for that invite. We've actually been struggling right now. We've been looking to find a new church home. And I think we might've found it. We're gonna come check out the hills. Because of one little girl's availability, a family's life could be changed. And see, what would it look like for us to really pursue our priesthood? Like that when we went into work, we actually shared the gospel with everybody around us. When we went into our workplaces and everywhere that we're at, we share the gospel. When we're surrounded by people who don't know Jesus, we share the gospel. God has put you where you are for a reason. It's not by accident you're surrounded by people who don't think the same way that you do. Why? Because God wants you to be a light and he wants you to let it shine. He wants you to pursue your priesthood. Man, I start to think about what this city could look like, what our nation could look like, what this world could look like if we had a group of believers who said, you know what, I'm gonna pursue my priesthood. I'm gonna share Jesus. I'm gonna let my light shine. Man, how could everything be changed if we actually took that seriously? Man, if we want our lives to be a gift to God, we've gotta pursue our priesthood. And the final thing that we've gotta do is that if we want our lives to be a gift to God, we've gotta leave a legacy. We see that Jesus was given gold, frankincense, and the final thing that he was given was myrrh. Now myrrh is kind of interesting because it was used as an embalming agent when bodies died. And what scholars believe is this was representing of Jesus' legacy, of his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. And let me just say, what a legacy that was, right? That Jesus came to earth, he died, but then he rose from the grave. That is the best legacy that anyone could ever say. Like you're at a party, like Chris, what did you do with your life? Graduated college. Jesus, the best legacy ever. You can't top it. You can't beat it. And for us, we're asking, it's like, man, that's the legacy. How can I leave a legacy when that's what I have to follow? See, what I think a lot of people mean is when they say, man, I wanna leave a legacy, they're really asking the question is that when my life ends, will it have mattered? With the time that I was given here on earth, will people really remember me? And so often we build our legacies on the things that surround us, that if I have a big enough house, if I have enough money to leave behind, then it would have mattered. That if I could just have my name in lights and people remember the things that I created, my life would have mattered. If I could just be in a history textbook, if I could find the cure for something, if I could make a breakthrough, I would have mattered and I would have left a legacy. And we get so caught up in the here and now and the part of this world that we forget about what's next. And Jesus is trying to say, a legacy isn't built on what you build here, but what you build in heaven. In Matthew chapter six, verses 19 and 20, look what Jesus says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus is saying a legacy isn't built by what you built here on earth. Why? Because it will all disappear. 
When you and I say goodbye to this earth, we can't take anything that we've amassed. The only thing that you can bring is the relationship you have with Jesus. You get to be in heaven one day and every person that you introduce Jesus to, when they have a relationship with him, they go to heaven as well. And Jesus is saying, stop trying to build your legacy on things that will fade away, but start storing your treasures in the place that matters. See, the beauty of it, and this is the bitter pill to swallow, is we're not the heroes of this story. Everything that God's created isn't about you and me, but how our lives can live in the legacy of what Jesus has left for us. Now that Jesus has done this, how can I live in that legacy and bring people with it as well? You know, I love what Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. said when he talks about the end of life. He says, the end of life is not to be happy nor to achieve pleasure and avoid pain, but to do the will of God, come what may. You wanna know how to leave a legacy? something that will last for all of time? Do the will of God. Read your Bible, grow your relationship with Jesus and bring people along the way. Because that's the only thing that will last forever. Buildings will fall, fortunes will be lost, but those who put their hope in Jesus will be there forever. And we have the opportunity to live in the legacy that Jesus has left for us. See, our lives are meant to be a gift to God that keep on giving. My life was forever changed September 6, 2021 at 11.28 a.m. After months of fighting in a hospital room in an ICU room, my mom passed away. And I remember the final day that they allowed us into the ICU room. The hospice nurse looked at us and said, hey, she's not responsive, but she might still be able to hear you. And I remember going in after weeks of praying and believing God for a miracle. My dad and my brother and I are standing there and worship music is playing and we're just praying and believing for a miracle. And I could see one tear go down my mom's face, hearing all of us pray. And it was at that moment I looked up at the monitor and she was gone. And I thought about it and I'm like, my mom's life was a gift to God. I was thinking about it because man, every moment she had, she wanted her life to be a gift to him. Why? Because she valued what was valuable. As kids growing up all the time, I would find my mom every single morning opening her Bible, highlighting and writing things, craving God's word. We would find her in her room praying for friends and family members and for her children. She valued what was valuable. She passed on a relationship with Jesus to her kids. All three of us follow and serve Jesus. She valued what was valuable. My mom is somebody who pursued her priesthood. Every opportunity she got, she went around and she shared Jesus with other people. I can't tell you how many times my mom went and said, hey, can I pray for you? These moments where she could display her good works to give glory to God. 
I remember there was a lady in our church, her name was Christine, who needed a mother figure and my mom's heart broke for it. She said, hey, come with me, I'll share Jesus with you. And invested her time and her energy, she pursued her priesthood. But something I didn't realize to my mom's funeral is the legacy my mom left. <clears throat> I remember being in that hospital room and every single time we would call our mom to pray with her every single night, she would always say two things. One, all the praise and all the glory goes to God. And two, God has called me at a time like this and I'm supposed to be here. For the disease that killed her, she was supposed to be there. And I remember sitting there and hearing that and saying that quote by Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. But to do the will of God, come what may. And I remember at the funeral that people writing us and people sharing with us, you know what? I was really questioning my faith, but I heard the story of your mom and it rekindled something on the inside of me. We had nurses write us and come and say, I can't tell you how much your mom meant to me, that she was the light in this darkness. Your mom meant the world to me. And while you'll never hear about my mom in a history book, well, you'll never see her name in the headlines. Man, my mom couldn't even use social media. She got hacked all the time. You would never find anything special about my mom, but she left a legacy because she focused on what was next. And I can't wait to stand in heaven one day and see every prayer that she prayed and every conversation that she had because those prayers and those conversations helped other people come to know Jesus. I'm a product of my mother's prayers. I'm a product of what she's done and my mother left a legacy. My mom let her life be a gift towards God because she valued what was valuable. She pursued her priesthood and she left a legacy that was found in Jesus. And for you today, as you're watching this right now, is your life truly a gift to God? Are you really valuing what's valuable? Are your priorities out of line? How can God be the top priority? Are you really pursuing your priesthood? Or are you just enjoying playing church when God's called you to be the church? For you, are you really leaving a legacy that when difficulties come and things don't always make sense, that you always choose to do the will of God and come what may? You and I are called to be gifts that keep on giving towards God. It's when you and I decide to make a choice to be gifts that keep on giving. So as you're sitting there right now, have an honest conversation with yourself. What is one area, maybe it's all three that I need to change so that my life can be a gift to God. But there's one other area that I really wanna speak to today. Maybe you're listening to this and you've heard about Jesus, of a God who loves me, and that there's a legacy that I get to live in that outweighs this life and that is eternal. And you're like, Chris, I want that. I've heard the name of Jesus, but I've never followed in that. And I want Jesus to come to my life, forgive me of my sins so that I could be new. I want my life to be a gift, but I've never followed Jesus before. If that's you today, I wanna pray with you in a moment because I believe that God has a purpose for you, has a plan for you, and he wants to use your life to affect generations to come. So if that's you today, 
You say, Chris, I want my life to be a gift to God, but I've never asked Jesus into my life. I don't even know where to start. I wanna pray a prayer with you. If that's you, I want you to repeat this after me. Everybody say, dear Jesus, thank you for sending the gift of Jesus for me. That he would die on a cross to take my place to pay for the sins that I deserve. So right now, I ask him to come into my life and make me new. Forgive me of all of my sins. God, I pray that you would help me to make my life a gift for you. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to value what's valuable. Help me to pursue my priesthood and help me to leave a legacy. And it's your name I pray, amen. Man, we are celebrating you with the decision that you made, man. Thank you for making that decision to follow Jesus. It will change your life.